Hi guys, welcome back to the So OCD podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Nunnery, and I am so excited to share a really special conversation that I have with my new friend, Megan Newkirk. She is on the show today. She has OCD and she's going to be sharing a lot about her own experience with that, her faith journey, and all about her new book that's coming out in May called Loving Naomi. So I can't wait for you guys to get to know a little bit more about Megan Newkirk. Here's our conversation. Megan, thank you so much for joining the So OCD podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here for sure. I'm glad to have you. Um, Yeah, it seems like we do have a lot in common based on what I've seen of the things that you've written in social media. Yes, I think so too. And even just having your book and reading the little bit that I've had since I got it yesterday, um, (laughs) I can definitely tell we have similar threads to our story. And I think OCD has a a little bit of a camaraderie feel in that, you know, we all experience similar things, even though they're often very different. So it's really, I don't want to say fun, but it is fun to meet somebody who Mm -hmm. has similar experiences and we have similar lives with husbands and kids and life stage. And so I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm um, excited to talk to you. Me too. Tell our listeners a little bit more about you, where you're from. All right. So I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, born and raised, and I went to NC State University, and um, my dad's a professor there, and you know, go Wolfpack, um, but um, yeah, so I grew up in the church, um, very much, very active in the church um, from a young age, and started noticing around eight years old, I had my appendix out, um, I was septic with that, and after that time, I went from kind of being an anxious child to, my mom says, just something changed, something clicked. Um, something wasn't quite right after that in regards to how long I worried about things, um, wasn't actually diagnosed with OCD, um, ended up, um, meeting my husband when I was a senior in high school. Um, and as I was dating him, I was just like, there are things about this. That's just not like, I already kind of felt like I wasn't, um, kind of on the same track as everyone else with fears. Um, but when I started dating him, I was like this, I think I'm a little bit on the, this is not normal. And I don't like that word. I don't like the word normal. Um, it's a, I don't, I don't love it, but, um, but I started realizing like, okay, if I'm going to marry this guy, which at the time I was in college, this was when I was in college. Um, I was like, if I'm going to marry him, I need to figure out what's clicking differently about me. So that's actually when I was diagnosed. So I lived many, many years without medication, without therapy. Um, and it was the, you know, the nineties and counseling just wasn't what it is today in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I felt like counseling was a punishment when my mom would say, do you need to go talk to somebody? I would just kind of cringe. Like, what did I do wrong? I can handle it. I can do Mm -hmm. it. I can stop worrying. I can make it go away. And, um, and so I just always, when then I could put on the front and kind of go forward and just be this person, this extroverted person that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't actually until like after that point, when I went to a counselor and I was like, I got to say all these fears out loud and I don't want to. Um, Ooh, yeah. and that she said, well, I have a totally logical reason for why you're worrying about all this stuff. And I was like, well, what is it? Because <laughs> I don't want to have to say all that stuff out loud again. Um, and she was like, well, I, I'm pretty sure you have obsessive compulsive disorder. And I just remember feeling completely free, like yeah. 
that was, I was going to ask you what that feeling moment. was like for you. Oh, it was so wonderful. I remember going home and just dancing with my mom. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. for it. It's, it's not just this, like, I, I really thought I was a crazy person. Like truly, I thought I was mm-hmm. a, a murderer masquerading in a 18 year old body. Like, yeah, I'm just going to kill somebody. Like, I know that's, what's going to happen. And I lived in fear of myself. And, um, so to hear that and like, to get that reassurance, I almost didn't think she heard me well enough, which is also an OCD thing. Right. You're like, are you sure it's not really, are you sure everything I just said? And I mean, she was sipping her water. Like it was no big deal. Yes. As I'm telling her these, like things I've never actually said out loud and she's just acting like it's no big deal. Um, and I just felt so free after that, but I didn't know how much work was going to go into it. And I didn't actually get full on like deep, deep facing my fears therapy until after my third child. Um, when I was pregnant and nursing, I was like, felt great. Like I, yeah, like felt wonderful, no Mm -hmm. problems, nothing. And then right about, and see, we have three kids and right about the time that I would get pregnant again would be when my world was starting to fall apart and I was starting Mm -hmm. to go, I can't handle this anymore. And then I would get pregnant and everything would be right in the world. So I just thought I had it all figured out. I was like, I got this, I can Mm -hmm. do this. Like my OCD must be really better. And then after my third, I had a regular therapist. I, you know, I wasn't taking medication at the time, but you know, I checked in with her and I knew the strategies I wasn't having to use them. And then, um, after Betsy was born, it was just like, I couldn't, we weren't getting pregnant again. And life was just spinning out of control. And, um, and I had a few friends that were like, you seem to be working a little too hard, um, Mm -hmm. at just everything. And so that's kind of when it fell into place. And that's when I started exposure therapy and Mm -hmm. started back on Prozac, which is just about the most wonderful thing ever. Um, Mm -hmm. and really started doing the work and, um, yeah. So that's kind of the, that's the nugget of, of all of it. Yeah. And listening to you, I'm hearing you say so many things that are exactly what I experienced exactly not realizing you had OCD until you were in your early twenties, dated my husband in college, got married right after college. And it wasn't actually until, so I can look back at my life and recognize patterns of behavior that were obsessive and compulsions, Mm -hmm. mostly mental that mm-hmm. were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. But the, the thing was that I was usually centered around, you know, if there was conflict or something going on. And once that conflict was resolved, mm-hmm. I was fine, but I can mm-hmm. see behaviors that I would do when there was conflict or something was out of my control and how I would just mentally just obsess right. and constantly need reassurance, you know, yep. either for myself, I won't go into the details, but there was a really embarrassing situation when I was about 15 And I, I tortured myself mentally for two months before I finally told my mom about it. Wow. And then ended up being so embarrassed, you know, because it turned Mm. out to be nothing, but I, it had just consumed my life for months. And of course, when there wasn't conflict, everything was fine. And so I never connected it with it really being a mental health issue. I just thought I was a worrier. Right. Me too. Me too. Right. And so it wasn't actually until my twenties that I started having what Mm -hmm. I would consider to be intrusive thoughts, real, um, you know, violent and graphic, like difficult, harmful kinds of things. I say harmful in terms of like that they were harm thoughts 
Um, right. and again, just right. like you, I thought I was crazy. I thought yep. that I had just, and you'll read all of this in my book, which I'm so grateful that you got, but that oh, whole story is in there that it's, yep. I, I just, yep. I, I remember just thinking like, I have, I have lost it. I have gone bad. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. someone who grew up in church, for someone who's very perfectionist oriented, that yep. was everything. My whole identity was rooted in thinking that I was good because right. of my behavior. And so thinking that I had somehow lost that and had become bad was my absolute worst nightmare. And it was, it was a long time before mm-hmm. I was really actually diagnosed, but I, I kind of figured it out on my own. Right. Um, and yeah, ERP, mm-hmm. all of those things have been just, I mean, completely have changed my life, have saved my life. Um, oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And I would say that my, so my, I'm not a perfectionist by nature. Um, as far as like, I don't, I'm not type type a, I know a lot of people associate OCD with type a, but that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not type a either. It's just more of a, it's, it's more of an OCD thing for me. It is right. And well, and you talk about, you know, the, the perfectionism part. And I, I don't know that I was ever like concerned about perfectionism in that way. Mine had so much to do with my imagination Mm -hmm. and, the way that my brain could like morph thoughts that I had into something that I thought was true. And yeah. so I could have, I mean, I worried, I mean, I know OCD has categories and I probably have worried and obsessed about something in all of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, when, when you're, when you have faith and, you know, you start to doubt whether or not you could say or do something that's going to make you lose your salvation when you, you hear and you, you are constantly being taught that you can't lose that. Um, it becomes very, you know, difficult to rely on and you hear, you know, other fellow people who, who believe in God will say, well, you know, you just need to pray. And, you know, God says, be anxious for nothing. And it's like, wait a second. Like I am asking him to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that. Um, and it's not working for me. So something must be wrong with me because I can't have enough faith for that to go away. And I think that's where, you know, counseling has been super helpful with that um, and has helped me and uh, redirect, like, what, what is the truth? What is OCD is a liar. Like it doesn't tell the truth. And so if your gut is telling you that it's not the truth and it's probably not the truth, like, um, so really dangerous thing. I think that a lot of people are hearing in the church is not, not, that prayer is dangerous. Prayer is powerful, but that exactly. somehow as though counseling or medication or other things are not also God working in oh, your life absolutely. to make, yep. to help you not be anxious, to help you trust him. Um, right. and I've realized that in my own life, I think about how grateful I am that God gave us brains that are yep. smart enough to study medicine and understand how these things can help yeah. our minds and people who go to school and who, know all of these strategies and can help walk us through these really dark and painful things that we're experiencing. And I see God in that. I absolutely, oh, I do see too. God in that. And yep. so I get really fired up <laughs> about people when they just kind of want to put a bandaid on it, because I think for me, what that boils down to is I don't really want to engage with this with you. Right. I don't really want to go there with you. And exactly. so we're just going to dismiss it and say, oh, we'll just do that. You know? Yep. Just, yep. just pray, just, you just need to do that and everything will be fine. And I just want to think, I just want to say, ha, ha, where, have you ever been in a dark place before? 
Right. I mean, even if it hasn't been this, don't you know how painful that is to have someone dismiss you? Right. Um, Yeah. So how long have you been writing about this specifically? So that whole story is quite, it's just amazing actually. Um, So I am a big reader, like huge reader. And so my youngest daughter is almost six and I started medication when she was about two. So um, the last like, you know, few years or so, I just felt my brain go quiet. And I think you can probably understand what that means. Like I, all that little extra noise and chaos really quieted. And so I was able to creatively start doing things that I, I'm a creative person. I'm not crafty, creative, (laughs) but I started um, painting furniture and I would be, you know, painting furniture and just felt this like deep joy in the creation that I was doing. Like I was doing it for friends. I started getting paid on the side and, and then I was reading anything I could get my hands on. And I decided I was going to read books about with main characters with OCD. I learned really well through fiction and I thought, let me just, let me just see if I can find a book about some people with OCD. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've read a bunch and there's even another fellow local author who's wonderful, who writes about OCD, but at the end of each book, there was no hope in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of, there were very vague, ideas of what this character experienced at the end of everything. And a lot of the descriptions were super accurate. Yeah. You know, I thought they did a good job, but the whole reason why I was kind of reading it was to be prepared for when my kids, as they get older, to be able to say, Hey, my brain works a little different. This is a way that I can explain it to you because I learned through fiction. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do this. And so I, I finished this one book called turtles all the way down, which is a phenomenal book. I was about to ask you if you'd read that because yes, I love it. It's, it's great. So <laughs> good. And I got done and I was like, you know, I really, really enjoyed his premise and everything. But I thought if I'd have read that book at 17 or 18 or 19 or 20, would I have felt encouraged or would I have felt like, where's the God piece and all of it? So I thought, you know what, what if, what if I write a short story? like for my kids and I'll, it'll kind of do the same thing. Cause I want them to read that book too. Yeah. I said, you know, what if I write the short story and that can kind of explain some things. And I had this idea, I was painting, I was creating all. And as a kid, I used to always write short stories all the time. I played with my Barbies, story, story, stories all the time. <laughs> Me too. So, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and on our little janky iPad that we had with a broken A key, I started a short story and, um, I can't remember exactly the like line of events, but I'm very close with my sister and she asked if she could, you know, start reading it. So she started kind of reading along with me as I was reading, as I was writing it. And, um, she was like, wow, this is just really giving me a peek inside your brain. It's really entertaining. And, um, all of a sudden it was 83,000 words. And I was like, wait, how long is it? How that's long? amazing. Right. Yeah. So I go online like a dork and I'm like that's longer than both my novels. Click, 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 click. I'm like, I'm like, how long is a short story? <laughs> like, look, I think I just wrote a novel. A like, novel. That's what? not, that's that. Yeah. That's novel. Yeah. Right? So, um, 
I wasn't going to do anything with it. I printed off a couple copies for some friends. Um, and you know, through a lot of very God ordained interactions with like varying various other writers, all of a sudden I had people telling me that it was worth pursuing and, um, had a counselor friend who said, there's really nothing out there like this. There's a lot of nonfiction, but there's not a lot of Christian fiction specifically. Um, so that's kind of the story of how it happened. And, um, I'm just very excited about like, hopefully who it can help and um, hopefully it can be a, an encouraging story for girls and boys, you know, like we were, who might feel, you know, it is a love story. So there's a little bit, (laughs) there's a little bit of that. Is it adult fiction or is it kind of young adult, new adult? It's definitely written for adult fiction, but it's a Christian publisher. So it's very appropriate um, for young adult as well. Um, But yeah, it's, it, it's a, there's some romance pieces. It's very much based on experiences that I've had. Okay. Um, so I love that. I love too, that it's sort of a faith-based fiction about mental health. Um, mm-hmm. because as you said, I think that there are some fiction characters like, you know, in turtles all the way down that are fantastic books, right? but for people who, and I recognize that not everybody who listens is a Christian or has a religion. Right. Um, and I respect that. I think though, for people, I get a lot of, um, emails and messages from people who, have OCD or who have experienced a lot of chronic anxiety, who also mm-hmm. come from a faith background. And I, that's because I do, and I talk openly about it here. So I think, you know, right. when people listen and they hear that they reach out to me. Um, and I think yeah. it's important for us to see characters like that represented in fiction. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's a publisher who's also like making that a priority and saying, yeah, let's get this book out there to people because this is important for us to talk about when a lot of times, as we've said before, mm-hmm. people don't really make space for that um, right. in faith and in the church a lot of times. So right. I love that. And I am, and you said it's coming out on May 1st, right? May 1st. Yes. May 1st. And um, hopefully like they were having like a drive-by COVID safe book launch here in Raleigh. I love um, that. Yeah. And the, the pre-order button should be up in April sometime. So okay. um, yeah. May 1st is my son's second birthday. Um, May is a great month. It is. It's a great month. It's a Um, great month. Mental health awareness month, which is why I was shooting for May. (laughs) I I thought, well, it's a good time. Tell me about what kind of fresh off the whole book launch, book release stuff myself in October. Tell me what that has been like for you getting ready, you know, doing Mm -hmm. this during COVID prepping to put this book out into the world. So my book is actually through, um, a self-publisher through, uh, through Zondervan press. And so a lot of it has been, um, they've been super helpful and the demand has, has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's, it's overwhelming, especially given that, I mean, a lot of what's in the book is fear of germs and here it's COVID and yeah. I'm launching a book, you know, yeah. um, but at the same time, I feel a bit like it's providential in that, mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people who have never dealt with fears of germs are dealing with them right now. And I think that this book may be helpful for that. Um, as far as strategies, the goal of the book itself is to really encourage people to use strategies like, and to use therapy. And I'm a firm believer that everyone should go to therapy. I don't care if you have a diagnosis or not, like there are going to be seasons in your life where you are going to need to talk to a 
someone else who has expertise in this area. So I really wanted that to be kind of the focus um, of when we launched it. And so mm-hmm. May 1st was kind of like, seemed like a logical time, um, but it's overwhelming. I think it feels a little bit like um, I'm giving a speech in my underwear because the book is not <laughs> yeah. only accurate. like the, the book, the book is not only like something that I wrote that, you know, my writing is I'm a new author. Like this passion for writing is something that I've always loved, but this is just starting to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very much like I'm already putting myself out there. Um, mm-hmm. but this story is about my life. And so in a lot of ways, there's even more vulnerability in that, but that's what I hope is going to in- really entice people and make them want to read it because it's an authentic story about someone who struggled with something really real. And, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. So the, the book launch stuff is not my favorite. Cause I don't like selling myself. I don't like, you know, mm-hmm. but I have a mentor who just, uh, launched a book about a month ago. And she said, if you don't believe in your message, enough to sell yourself, then they're not going to hear the message. Um, so there's also, I I feel similar to, it can be tough, um, being an author these days because there is so much, there's already so much pressure and expectation for authors to be more than just writers, you know, to have platforms and to speak and to travel and all of that. Um, I know COVID has shut a lot of that down, but, um, there's so many other things that it feels like we have to be already. Right. And I think what I have come to realize is that when you, and this is so, it it does kind of seem cliche, but I've heard it a lot. And it wasn't until I kind of discovered it for myself that I realized that it was true is that when you are being who you are, you're writing about what, you know, um, you're not trying to force yourself to, to perform all these other roles. Mm -hmm. People really do. They, they pay attention and they feel that because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of, of other authors and people who I very much respect, mm-hmm. but feel like almost that there's just so much going on that they're mm-hmm. doing so much that it's overwhelming to me. And sometimes you sort of lose what their messaging is. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not that OCD is all of who we are, but right. it's something that we live with all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just like being a mother or being a wife, like this is, this is what we live with. This is a part of our everyday world. And right. so for me, it was actually when I launched the podcast that at first was just kind of a little side project. I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm not a speaker. I don't travel and speak, but this is a way for me to talk about something. And it was, I was just going to do that one little season, just like seven or eight episodes. And, um, but then people started reaching out to me and saying, this is so helpful. And it started getting all these great reviews. And I realized, oh, this is it. You know, this isn't all of who I am, but this is so vital Mm -hmm. that, you know, people like us who've lived with this, use our creativity to talk about it in a way that's accessible for people who might not know that they have it, or maybe who suspect and think, oh, that's what I've been dealing with. And I didn't realize that I would have given anything to have had a resource like your book me too. When yep. I was first dealing with this, because I just had no idea. All yep. I knew about OCD was the stereotypical nonsense, which is not even OCD. Like, Oh, I'm super organized or whatever. Right. Right. Um, yep. You no, know, <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And right. realizing that and having people say to me, me too, that's, 
that's what I have, or that's what I go through is a, like you said, freeing. It's a, fre- it's a breath of fresh air. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's such a relief. And I think that that's what your book is going to yeah. bring to people. They're going to read it and it's going to be entertaining, but it's also going to be, Oh, okay. Like I feel seen and heard yeah. through these words on this page. So congratulations. For- I hope so. I really, that's, Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I've never had like a dream either. Like I never, I, you know, did my degree in communication. I had kids, like there were so many different things and to have something that I'm so passionate about and that I really hope changes lives. And when I get frustrated and I think, Oh, is this worth, you know, all the work. And when you're editing and it's like, I don't know if this is any good anymore. The words seem like a bunch of blubber on the page. It don't make any sense. What, you know? Oh yeah. It is. What are words? What yeah. oh. is grammar? <laughs> oh my word. And I, I've read it so many times now that I'm like, I don't even want to read it anymore. Like, and yes. but then other people are like, oh, it's, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm not a good judge anymore at this point. Like mm-hmm. I could pick apart everything, but my, you know, my prayer is that people would read it and would enjoy it and would have, would have fun reading it and would like, just be encouraged and not feel alone. Um, mm. because we're not. And I think for so long, I felt like this anomaly that, you know, who thinks these things like, yeah, who everybody actually, that's who, <laughs> everybody. yeah, everybody. Exactly. But it's like my brain, I had a counselor describe once that our brains are kind of like fishnets mm-hmm. and people with OCD have just really tight yeah don't get anything and so she's like you know you can inspect every fish but I don't think you really need to Ooh, I, like that. I was like okay and so she's like most people just let the things pass through and they stop and it might make them think for a second but then yeah. you know and so I love hearing I about different counselors metaphors uh, I know I feel like everybody I've had on has talked about some kind of metaphor and that makes the me so net. happy because it yep. is it's very helpful. It's very helpful to think our brains are just like nets that are just kind of like, nope, we're going to hold on to this and we're going to hold on to it a little bit longer. And we're until it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier yep. and heavier. Um, yeah. And then you got to decide like, is this mm-hmm. worth investigating anymore or yeah, do we just let it go or I is still- it just water, you know? Oh, see. And <laughs> I think that's where I'm getting to. Actually, I feel like I've been in therapy and um, on medication long enough at this point that most of the time it's just water, you know, at mm-hmm. this point that it's, you know, I can make myself obsess over pretty much anything, especially when it comes to my children, which oh. um, at this point they have been, they have been sort of the target of a lot of my obsessions because Me I'm their too. mother and I adore them. Um, and that's, that's been really, really difficult. I felt like I've said this before to people that, becoming a mom, I was actually thinking that the logistics of motherhood would be more, and they are challenging, but that that would be more difficult for me. But what actually was difficult was the emotional and mental stuff that comes Mm -hmm. along with it. Um, Like, okay, logistically it might be stressful, but I can carry you on my hip and I can put a bag on my shoulder and I can do all of that stuff. But the weight of knowing that I am responsible for these lives and the thought of anything bad happening to them is so heavy. Um, that my brain can very easily come up with scenarios to just make me and and spin that wheel for a really long time. And my husband thankfully is so, he's such a great partner in this with me because he's very even keeled and he'll just ask me, you know, he'll say same with mine. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. He'll say, 
a lot of things that my, my counselor says to me, I mean, there, she has joked before. She's like, he's right. You know, um, because he'll say, that's just not, is that productive? Like how likely is that to happen? Um, he won't let me obsess and do all the what ifs, but he will kind of engage with the conversation with me until Mm -hmm. thought just sort of slips away of like, Oh yeah, I really, I really can't control that. And then for a long time, that didn't work. It works more now because I have all these other tools that I've learned through Mm -hmm. exposure response and, you know, therapy, but, um, yeah, having a partner in it has been (laughs) has been really helpful because I, it's wonderful. Yeah. I understand the same. going through it by myself. Again, the few years that I did were hell. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember once thinking that I gave my, I think she was 18, 18 months shaken baby syndrome, which oh, yeah. is not even really something that kids. And I actually went, so, and we were, we were, I was bouncing her on my lap. We were, she was laughing and I was bouncing her on my lap. And all of a sudden I just got that I don't even know. What, I mean, you probably know what that feeling is. It's like you're on a roller coaster, but you don't want to be on it. And it's that, what did you do? You need to think about this. This is awful. You just did this. Yeah. Like you're responsible for this. And she just looked at me and I was like, I remember I checked her eyes to see if she had some sort of, you know, concu- I don't even know what I was looking for, but probably for two hours, I woke her up um, mm-hmm. as I was going to bed at 1130 to make sure she was okay, which was completely irrational. Um, and actually asked the pediatrician about it, uh, at an appointment, like a week later and she mm-hmm. was fine. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I was Googling things and <laughs> it, said, it said as clearly as possible, like cannot happen without this and this and this and this and this. And, you know, the, the, and it goes from, did I do this to them to how did I do this to them to, am I capable of doing this to them to what does that make me? If, yes. Like I'm not going to ever be, Oh, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, so it's all terrible. These questions. Cause yeah. that's what OCD does. The more that you try to answer yes. its questions, the more it comes up with more questions that you have yep. to try to find the answer to. And so the, the response is not to answer the questions at all, but to right. recognize, okay, that's an OCD thought. That's exactly. my, OCD. cool. I'm going to just sit with this and not engage until that anxiety that I'm feeling passes and that was the hardest thing for me to do and yep. still can be sometimes. I, I actually went to Hawaii about six years ago and we went to Pearl Harbor. My daughter was like a year and a half at the time. Mm-hmm. And we went to see the USS Arizona and they have this beautiful platform thing. It's this covered um, platform on top of it where you can stand. It's open. The windows are mm-hmm. kind of open air and you right. can look down at it and that kind of thing. And I was holding her and I... Uh, trigger warning for anybody listening. If this is something that might be sensitive for you to hear, I'm going to be talking about um, a thought that I had. And so um, I remember holding her on my hip and imagining throwing her over it into the water because mm. it was so dark and creepy and sad. And um, yep. I remember just holding her tightly to my hip and leaning over. And then what happens is of course my OCD is saying, well, get her close and lean over to make sure you wouldn't do it. Right. Yep. Like yep. test yourself that you wouldn't do it. And yep. I am gripping her with a death grip and she starts squirming right. and I'm, I'm like leaning, she's safe of course, but I'm leaning the other side of my body over to look, to try to test and reassure myself. Like, no, she's over here. I'm exactly. leaning over. But then after I did that, I felt so guilt ridden and my OCD was like, 
you were trying yep. to put her over the edge. You were trying oh, my to word. That is yes. Yep. And I obsessed over that for months and, um, and I'd already been through therapy at that point. I had already, you know, recognized yep. the signs of that, but I didn't, I didn't have a therapist anymore. She had moved away and I wasn't regularly in therapy. Um, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have the capacity at that time. To mm-hmm. that. So I just obsessed about it and obsessed about it until finally my brain found something else to obsess about. It's, it's whack-a-mole man. I'm telling you. <laughs> it is. It's constant, it's, you know, and yeah, yeah, for me, medication has been helpful. Um, yeah, me on, too. I was on Zoloft for a long time, which I like Zoloft, but I found that, um, an Afrinil, which is a tricyclic medicine, it's like the oldest OCD medication, mm-hmm. not an SSRI, but, um, it, when I'm on that, um, I find, and I'm on it now, I find that the thoughts, like they just, they come at me, but they don't stick. Yeah. And and that's yeah. been amazing to me because, you know, Zoloft helps my mood, but an Afrinil is, is the thing that keeps my brain just like, nope, it's just like punching yep. those things away. Nope. We're not yeah. Cause the more successful you are with doing that, the more confident you become. And that's really the best way. Cause I mean, it, it's good to face them. Like it's good to have them come if, if they're not exhausting you and you're able to, and that's how I feel with, with being on, I think Prozac, um, it's kind of an old school one also. Um, and I'm sure, you know, over time I may have to change. I don't know, but, um, but I'm just thankful that I still have opportunities to, to use those strategies and not mm. to get too comfortable. I do. I'm sure other people who have OCD too, when I, I, for years, I used to, if I had a, a moment or a, you know, fall back and start worrying about something, I would feel really discouraged. Like, Oh, I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Like I know better, but now I kind of look at it and I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's good for me mm-hmm. to practice. It's like anything else. Like I'm, I'm not, it doesn't make me a failure at my OCD treatment. You know, mm-hmm. it just equips me. It's more practice. It's more proof that I can do it. And, um, the more uncomfortable you are, I think that's one of the messages I want, you know, kind of heard in my book is that when you're in therapy and you're in treatment, the more uncomfortable you are, the more it's working, like you're doing the work. And so, you know, don't be discouraged. Like it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be like so many good things in life. If you get uncomfortable, it means it's working. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are blessings on the other side. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping is communicated. I love that. And, you know, I had uh, a licensed professional counselor on my last episode, Jenna Overbaugh, and she said that too. She said, that's the whole point of doing exposure response prevention is that you, you have to get anxious. If you're on, she was talking about medications and she was like, if you're on long-term medications, that's fine. But if you're taking medications like Xanax that are meant to just like keep your anxiety down when it peaks, like that's not helpful because you want your anxiety to go up so that then use the tools you've been given to sit with it, sit with the uncertainty and let the anxiety pass naturally. And over time, your brain starts to do that on its own. And I, when I started studying the neuroplasticity of the brain and understanding how you can retrain it and break those connections and rebuild new ones, huge game changer for me, because I just thought this is fixed. Um, And so, you know, and thinking that I'm going to have OCD forever, but also like you said, recognizing I have what I need to live with this now. I have what I need. Exactly. Um, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean it won't be hard sometimes, especially when my brain comes up with new obsessions. But 
I've been given the tools that I have. I've had enough experience at this point, especially being a mom, because it's been so much about my children that I know what to do. And that's an incredible thing because I didn't know what to do for a long time. And it makes, it makes me stronger having lived through those things and having worked through them and come out on the other side, healthier with more wisdom recognizing like, I, I did that really hard thing. I lived through it. And now I, I just have another tool to use. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Same here. Very similar, very similar experiences. Yeah. And I actually have been asked before, like, do you wish you didn't have OCD? And I would say like, no, I'm thankful for it. I think it's been a blessing in the end. It's been hard. It hasn't been fun. It's, but it's also kind of part of who I am. And I feel like it's, it's a part of a lot of people and it can be a very, like our greatest gifts are often our, you know, our greatest struggles. And I think with OCD, you can really learn some valuable things that can just make you, Mm -hmm. you know, a better person and, and really, um, yeah. So I agree with that completely. I've, I've, I've sort of struggled with saying that I'm thankful for it, but in the end I am because yeah. Yeah. It has definitely brought me to my lowest points in my entire life. Um, yeah. but it was the thing that transformed my view of who God was, um, yeah. who I had believed him to be growing up, who was just this sort of like, you know, I love you, but I'm just waiting on you to mess up all the time. Um, and really exactly. me in a lot of ways from the need to be perfect because right. having OCD made me realize that I can't, and that was the whole point and that that's okay. Um, I parent totally differently than I would have beforehand. There's so much more empathy and compassion for my children, because I think if I didn't have OCD to teach me those things, I would be, I'd be like real perfectionism, perfectionist Mm. mom, I think, Mm um, you know, I've always been tender hearted and and loving and affectionate, but I think there'd be a lot of pressure on my kids probably from me to do Mm. things a certain way all the time. And I look at them and I just think, thank God, <laughs> thank God I've got this and that I've been through this experience because now I can look at you and tell you, Hey, you're human and you're allowed to be human and you're yeah. allowed to mess up and yeah. we can work through it together and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And hopefully one day my kids will be grateful too. <laughs> I know it's well, and it's hard. And I think what I think realizing for me, realizing that everybody struggles with something like we all have, you know, things that are hard. And my older sister was just always got good grades. And I always wanted to be just like her. And I always thought that she just had it all figured out. And as we've been moms together and done all the things together, and she has just supported me and had my back for everything. I've realized like, wait, you know, she, she struggles too. And, and everybody has to face hard things and it's kind of finding where your strength comes from. And for me, that is for sure my faith. Um, and you know, I think there are blessings and hard things, um, but they're not fun and it's okay to say that, you know, it's okay to say that OCD is not, (laughs) not the best experience all the time. Um, just like a lot of other things, but um, but yeah, I, I really, my prayer is that this book would just be an encouragement and would lead people to therapy, especially people who are in the church, um, yes. maybe are hearing that they need to just pray their anxiety away or, um, mm-hmm. that they just need to be anxious for nothing. Cause yes, that is true, but there are so many ways that they can be helped. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And stuff like that, stories like that. I'm a big believer that, that books and storytelling save lives. Mm. They really do. Um, they've yeah. saved mine, I think on multiple occasions. And so mine too. I pray that for <laughs> your book too. And I yeah. am so stoked for mine to get here. Yay. Um, I'm going to go pre-order it. I can't wait to read it. I know it's, and it's called loving Naomi, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Well, is there anything that you want to share before we wrap up here for anybody? Tell them where they can connect with you, buy your book, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Megan Newkirk writes. Um, I also have a website slash blog. I post weekly. Um, it's www.megannewkirkwrites.com and that's Megan with an H, which is a little bit, you know, Meg Han helps you remember Meg Han. Han, I got that a lot growing up. Um, but yeah, and, and just please reach out. And, you know, if you, if you end up getting the book, hopefully the pre-order button will be up, um, in the next couple of weeks. And if not, it will definitely be out by April. I mean, excuse me, by May 1st. Um, so thank you for having me on. This is a huge gift and I'm just really excited to meet you and to talk to you and get to talk about things that really are important to me. Don't you just love her? I love her. I'm so excited that I got to get to know Megan a little bit more in this conversation. We had so much fun talking. I know that you guys are going to love her book. It's coming out, as she said, on May 1st. You can go ahead and pre-order it on Amazon and be sure to check out her website at MeganNewkirkWrites.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Megan Newkirk writes. Remember it's Megan as in Meg Han. So you guys make sure to go check her out. Give her a follow. Make sure you thank her for being on the show and go ahead and pre-order her book. All right. That's it for us. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you guys next time.